What is up, everybody? This is Ryan here for the Scale Up Show. I have Jesse Willette. Jesse is doing some amazing things. He's the founder of Lead Magic. Really cool story about how he bootstrapped in the middle of the pandemic, started a SaaS company in a very, very scrappy way, um, and is doing some really unique things. Also had some eye-opening information about email. So if you have SDRs or any kind of outbound email activity, you are not going to want to miss this. He talks about uh, basically a common trait that 99.5% of companies are missing right now that's absolutely killing their company brand and recognition. So you're not going to want to miss this. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I'm a very special guest with me today. I have Jesse Willette. Jesse is the former enterprise software sales leader and go-to-market expert who is now a bootstrap SaaS founder, uh, had 15 years in sales, particularly in professional services, running field sales teams, um, and also for unicorn SaaS companies, not professional services, I should say. Um, on top of it, <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, wait, you're like, where are you going with that, dude? Um, he is a founder at Lead Magic, and uh, Jesse, welcome, happy to have you on the show, man. Yeah, man, real excited. Uh, you know, I've heard some great things. I've listened to the show. I think it's a great show. So, really excited to be be here today. Fantastic, man. I've heard the same about you. Um, I get my best guests from my guests usually, and um, Jamie was the one who gave you the props for that. So, real quick, let's do a revenue rundown so folks have an understanding of where you're at in terms of the stage of the journey. So. Where are you guys at in terms of your ARR? Yeah, so we're we're at about uh, thirty five thousand a month, close to a little bit right around there, and we're so what's that like four five something like that? We have I have two kind of contract employees, uh, no no full time, sort of just uh, bootstrap myself, and then like we obviously have some occasionally I'll hire contractors for like. Uh, sort of support or, or like ma- maybe some marketing and help there. But, you know, I, I like to run like a, a little bit of a lean operation, a little bit more of a lifestyle there. Then we also have an agency side uh, where I have kind of the contract, sort of a couple of the contract people that are doing some of the, um, we kind of help some companies with some some of the managed uh, kind of campaigns, email campaigns that they're running. So that's another side of the business that has a different revenue. Um, but the SaaS side is about 35K, about 100 customers, Average customer spends about three fifty a month ish, and okay. uh, that's you know very varies on uh, the amount of traffic that they get on their website. So, excellent. Um, that's kind of the pricing model. That's yeah. a great breakdown. So, uh, real real quick. Um, so the the thing that you mentioned too is the agency side for running email campaigns. Is that like newsletters? Is that more like outbound uh, campaigns, nah. meetings? What what kind of uh, agency does it is it yeah so it's it's what happened was we were you know we were running lead magic and as i was running it i was like wow nobody can get back into the inbox because the spam filters have picked everybody up so there's all these people that are kind of blasting their market but they're actually just they're not doing any it's not really damaging anything it's just sending to spam so it's kind of it's kind of funny that way but we started to sort of offer a service that's you know we try to keep the cost down we're not a lead gen agency at all right we don't do any of the like performance or whatever we're, we're sort of your more sort of like managing a sequencer for you which is a kind of more of a something you need now because what's happened is google microsoft and uh, zoho they've all kind of said hey we're gonna start to block <laughs> emails that get low sender score so we've we've been helping people we, we have a kind of unique way of doing it 
Uh, you know, that's something that a lot of our, our lead magic customers started to buy. We've also got customers that are buying that and both. And, you know, it's also the way that we scaled. So we were already doing it for ourselves. We had a really good process down and we just said, hey, why don't we kind of offer some of this to the customers? And as a bootstrap company, it's been good cash flow from that perspective to help us kind of scale the other side of the business, as you will. And we've we've separated them out pretty well. So that's that's been good for us. That's awesome, man. I think it's it's a smart approach. Yep. Good cash flow to create that. And um, yeah, I could see that. It literally, literally five minutes before we got on the phone, I was checking my email and um, got an email from someone that I actually want to talk to at an event that I'm speaking at next week. It was in the spam filter. So, um, and yeah. I don't check it very often. So, and there's, I mean, there's other ones that are good in there too that, that you see. So it makes a lot of sense, man, um, in, in terms of why that's that's critical right now. So real quick, before we get in, because there's a lot I want to talk to you about this um, because there's, there's so many use cases where it's valuable, right? So, however, I want to understand how you went from an enterprise sales rep during the pandemic to being like, hey, I'm just going to start my SaaS company, right? And and figure it out. Mm-hmm. So like, how did you make that transition? How did you make it financially feasible? Just like, run us yeah. in, man, let us know how you, had, how you made it happen. Well, uh, it, you know, it's an interesting story. I was actually fired. Um, so what happened was I really just had a passion for, I was running a sales, the sales strategy for, you know, a friend of mine, uh, chief revenue officer. And it just wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't want to put the email signature on my email. And I just, you know, I didn't want to do it for the team. I actually, uh, the SDR team rolled up to me at that point. And I just said, hey, this isn't going to deliver. And I really just don't think we should. And then it just ended up being a disagreement. And we we ended up parting ways. I think it was a lot going on then, too. Hopefully, everything's good over there at that point. But, uh, you know, I just kind of had the the resolve or, you know, whatever. I, I really... I, I was frustrated, right? I was I was getting yeah. to the point of like, hey, do any of these companies want to run, you know, an efficient go to market, right? Like I was getting to the point of like, you know, I just really wanted to run something on my own. So when I came out, I decided to do a little bit of consulting because I wanted to validate the problem. But obviously, I was trying to avoid trading all my time for, uh, you know, my unique skills and knowledge that I've developed over my career. I really didn't want to give that away for money, right? I felt uh, so I was protective of that. Now, what I did is I did some consulting projects that I was able to kind of keep, continue, you know, the lifestyle and the, and the business there. And then also, I really learned how to like, you know, you have a lot more time on your hands when you can't go outside and, you know, your whole, basically your whole country was shut down, right? So, uh, you know, I was able to kind of learn a lot more about the development and software development and all that. I was able to get that out fast. I think, you know, I, I went and picked a market that was... I thought was something that when I was in sales wasn't very well run in terms of like people aren't using first party intent data very well. They don't know how to really kind of leverage it. So that's, I knew I could get the message out there simpler and it wasn't really that hard. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, you can have more than one product in a market. We compete against a lot like lead feeder and uh, clear bit reveal and some of those tell you who's on site. We find ourselves to be a little bit more accurate. I don't think my UI is as good as the rest of them, but I think my data and accuracy is way better. And I think we have that going for us. So, you know, and they have hundreds of millions of dollars and, you know, venture back capital and I don't. And, uh, you know, it's not that big of a deal because we built it ourselves and we've, you know, I did and then, you know, continued to scale that way. So that's kind of the story. Excellent, man. <clears throat> um, so like, how did you pick your lane on on lead magic on like email deliverability out of everything else 
based on, and, and I don't know what else you're, I mean, let me ask you this. Actually, really, what's your ninja skills outside of email? Like, what, what, what would you say, like, you have a high level of mastery at? Uh, so I think the data, like the data engineering part of it, uh, I worked at a lot of the, so I worked at Hortonworks, which is the kind of the Hadoop, you know, big data platform. I really had the data stuff down. Uh, I was a sales rep, but I also was in a lot of the meetings, you know, and I knew what was going on and I was behind the scenes on the technology. So I understood what I was doing. I understood it at a high level and I also could have gone in a little deeper. I just didn't and then started to force myself to do it. And what I realized is, you know, you, if you really think about what you want to do and, you know, I wanted to build some digital assets, right? Things that could sort of work for you while you're not working, if you will, if, I guess, if that makes sense. I mean, everybody kind of wants oh, that yeah. dream and it's not really like a, um, but I think where my skills are, I can definitely use, uh, you know, a lot of frameworks that are out there in the open source community. There's a lot of developers who are very generous with their time and they develop a lot of great software. And if you look at having a sales guy come in and just start using the software and selling it, like it's not that bad because I was selling open source before. So I know how to, you know, carve out products and build them up and do that. And I think where I was unique is I could, you know, I was a salesperson, so I could kind of, I knew where, you know, I know what people need, right? Like I have a, a good, um, you know, sense of that. Right. And I knew when I was getting sold software or like sales automation or tools or whatever, I knew what I was looking for. So I have that unique blend. And then I also know, like, if you're going to charge people, you got to charge them on impact. So, you know, you want to yeah. keep your products low and then you want to go up as you, their customers getting more impact. And if you can keep that ratio right and you keep your cost of sale down, uh, you know, you can really, it's, it's kind of weird having going from enterprise to like sort of a low cost credit card model. But I don't think I'd ever, you know, I wouldn't be able to go back now because I love it. But it is what it is, right? So that's kind of like where I, I was at, and um, that's kind of where my secrets are, secret sauce. <laughs> that's good. Uh, yeah, I mean that's it's interesting. Why, why do you like the uh, the the credit card swipe model versus the enterprise? I mean, I, I think I got a couple ideas, you know, but uh, love, love to hear your take <laughs> on that, man. Uh, well, I mean, um, you know, there's there's the feeling of. Uh, you know, when you're not, I, I don't know, Stripe has a good way of doing this now. Like I, I think anybody who sells anything digital on Stripe knows the feeling when you're getting, you know, you're out or you're out with friends, your family, whatever. And you're and all of a sudden you get a couple of people that have converted from a trial or like a download of, you know, like, there's a certain fe feeling you get. Um, the dopamine hit, uh, you know, about the dopamine hit that you yeah. get in like the casual. <laughs> yeah, account. there's a dopamine hit you got there. I think is what they what they call it, right? And it's it's like how to get rich without getting lucky. I guess is the is the question, right? In the vol or whatever the guy's name is, but that's kind of it. You know, you feel that you make that feeling, and it's just like, hey, that's cool. Now it does. It is a cold shower if you try to go cold. I would not recommend doing it the way I did it at all. Uh, I would focus more on, I would get a 70, 30 split with your life and 30% you're working on your, your asset, but then the 70% you're working on your, your, um, you know, your regular, like, don't take the cold shower. It is cold. So just be careful because <laughs> you go from a big you know, salary and, you know, it's just, you can't show up sick to work at, at many days. Right. You know, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard journey. Don't, don't, I, I kind of hate when people trivialize it, make it sound like it's so easy. And I see this a lot and I'm like, the hell is he talking about? Right. You know, so, uh, but oh, you, you mean know, like it's the, fun. Uh, it's a fun the four hour work week. Right. Where it's just like, uh, look, look oh, at yeah. this. Like, 
Yeah, my calendar is right. empty five days a week and I don't do anything. Yeah. And I'm making $1.5 million. I took a bunch right? of walks with my wife and yeah, I, <laughs> I see these ones and they're like, just go buy car, go buy a website builder and launch a paywall on Gumroad. And all right. Well, if you're, if you're making any money and you're, you know, an executive at a SaaS company, it's a colder journey than that. Like don't, that's, that's a lie. <laughs> That's a lie, right? It doesn't exist. And even the person who wrote that doesn't believe that. So, you know, I'm seeing a lot of that on there now. There's a lot of kind of, I guess, called kind of internet gurus that are out there telling that story. And I just, I, you know, it couldn't be further from the truth. Like, I would ignore them. <laughs> yeah. So, well, and, and you know, here's the situation maybe it happens to um, a half a percent, or I don't know, a tenth of percent of 1%, right? Like, where, Someone's got the right mix. They have, like, like you see this with podcasts, man. Like, like my my podcast is doing well. I, I got great listeners, and then like I look, I great you know great downloads global. You know, it's in in top three percent in the world, right? And then I see some of these numbers from I think it was I was looking at it, like Lewis uh, Lewis House, right? And his he's like, yeah, I get thirty million downloads a week or something like that. And I'm like, a week? I'm like, holy shiitake right but then you look at it and i'm like I, i'm like okay this is what i always do i looked at it and he's on episode i think like 1400 so he started right when the podcast like he got in a ground zero of the podcast and yeah he's consistent he did a great job but sometimes there's that you know prime mover effect and i think what you see with some of these gurus online specifically if we're talking about linkedin uh, which is, I think, what you're talking about. Uh, would you would you uh, give me some? Yeah, he's he's nodding his head, right? So we're talking on LinkedIn, right? Yeah. There was advantage where I remember, like three, two and a half, three years ago, if you were in deep, you would do a shitty post and we get like twenty thousand views, right? Now you need to be like crushing it to get twenty thousand views, or you need to do a really good post of a much higher quality content to do that. So, anyways, yeah. there's my my counter. It's totally true. Right? You make a great point there. No, that's perfect. That's a great, yeah, yeah. It's a great analysis of it. Well, and it's like, that's why everybody's jumping on and not to, not to go down the marketing path, but TikTok right now, because it's still a viral platform. And so a lot of creators are like, hey, you know, just sign up for it, give your information to the Chinese government and you'll be good to go. Right. And then you get viral <laughs> uh, usage or whatever. So anyways, um, right. I, I don't mean to go yeah, off, the, off the rails, but um so, so Jesse, let's circle back, right, man? So what, like, before we move on, because I don't want to forget this, because I think this is highly, highly, highly valuable. How did you, you know, like, what's your step-by-step framework? If you're looking at how you yeah. turn your knowledge or your expertise into a reoccurring revenue product, and it doesn't have to be SaaS, it could be an information product too, right? Because there's similarities, um, differences, right? But what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. So what was really, uh, when I, when I started to like kind, of, kind of think about what, like if I was to think about what a SaaS product is, right. You know, I, I'd be like, all right, there's, y- you have a, a, a paywall, you have a login screen, you know, you, you probably give something away for free. You know, it's like, well, okay, you can make a website that has a login page with a credit card. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're like, all right, well, what could I put behind that? Right. And it, it doesn't have to be, it's like, what's got to go behind that paywall to kind of get some sort of recurring revenue model. Right. And you learn a lot, like as you're doing it. Right. So 
what I realized was you build around sort of an asset right now. I've, I've, I've done a reasonable job at getting enough kind of LinkedIn audience and I've done okay there. I've got about 30,000 followers, like a lot of the different people. But what I started to do was I know the sales audience the best. So my framework really was like, you know, you realize pretty quickly if you start out in consulting or if you do that after like you're kind of if you go fractional or whatever, you've got to pivot that service to an asset. So that would be like the second step. And you got to figure out what that is. And then you've got to kind of turn that more into a flywheel effect where you have things that are at the lower end of the product. You have you have to have ways people can buy and interact with your service before they get into the service, right? And this is where you got a, a lot of agency owners, even like the consulting or agency owners, mm-hmm. they're starting to figure this out too. And if you look, most people are figuring this out, right? Where you're pivoting from that external client and you build that asset. Now, that asset could be really anything. Let's say you're a sales consultant, you know, like yourself, right? And yeah. what I find helps is like you build how you're doing it, take you out of the loop and figure out how you could build that without the person being there. Yeah. So exactly. that's kind of where I did it. And then just lower the cost of it and give it away until you figure out how do you start charging a little bit of money for this every month and then grow it and grow it organically. And look, if you're not like completely underwater on everything else, you have some time left and go build it. And if you got that 30% of your time spent building it, then you're fine. The problem is if you sink too much time into it or money or whatever, you can really put yourself underwater. And I think that's where a lot of people take a cold shower. <laughs> you mean they go all in on the 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 long-term build of the asset and then they neglect the short-term cash flow? Yeah. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. If you were starting all over right now, right, knowing what you know after going through this process, what would be the systematic approach that you would take to to make that a reality? Yep. So I would get a I would get a developer on or or a sorry, a no-code developer. I would build a content site and I would start charging for it. And I would put behind the content something that I do unique, frameworks, sheets, whatever it is, and start kind of taking in data and somehow outputting it in a way, whether however long that takes, whatever, right? Output it, give it to the user, have the process where you're not interacting with them like you're, it's a SaaS. So it's like software as a service, they're actually coming in, they're using the software. Maybe you got to get on a call, maybe you got to do something. But start taking a recurring monthly payment and seeing how that's going to go and seeing how people act and if they cancel or not. And that's how you know if you've got a unique offer, right? It's something that people want. And I would keep the prices of it very low, right? Because the value is actually going to be from you finding out, learning a little bit about the process. So I go no code first. Uh, I would put content behind there, something that you could actually, somebody would justify uh, buying. Like, I'm trying to remember, there's one out there right now. I forget the name of the, they're putting out like an air, they put out like an air table first and then they just oh, received a signal. Funding. You're talking yeah, about piercing. Those guys. 
Yeah, like I like what they did. I like that strategy that they did. I mean, that a lot of that stuff, like, I mean, I know how to do a lot of that stuff. And I'm, I'm like, man, if more people were smart, they did that. Because what happens is they built a brand around that. And maybe they just hired a VA to go like get that data. It wasn't even really that complicated. Uh, and what they, you know, they do that. And then, but now they go out and they're like talking to VCs or, you know, it's a much different, look, it's, we all know it's who you get introduced by and then what they're going to go out, out and look at on the internet uh, that you already have. That's what they're investing in right now. There's a potential, but you're more wanted. Like I never went, I didn't even try to go raise money. It wasn't even something I was going to try to do. Now I have VCs calling me all over the place. Right. And I, I could take as much, you know, like a good amount of money if I wanted to right now. Right. I just, I'm kind of being cautious too. Right. I'm not, that wasn't always my path, but it is what it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> for lack so of a better a, term, but keep going, yeah. man. Keep going. I was going to, I was going to recap it. It's no, I mean, that's it. I mean, it's, we all can kind of smile, but, but, you know, there's a great place for venture capital firms. Like what, what they do is, is it's great. And it's, it's just, it, it's just a hard, it's a hard, decision for somebody, you know, you have to be very, you know, you give up any part of your time later after you fought back and you finally got all your time back and you own it. And then you go back and you give it away again. Uh, you know, <laughs> understanding that dynamic, you know, you, it, it took you a lot to get to the first place. It takes a lot more to go back to the second place. <laughs> if I had to describe yeah. it. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's true. I hear the stories. I mean, like I, I can't tell you uh, how many stories I hear. <laughs> I can see it on people's faces too. Um, that, it's it's interesting because you're you're trying to escape to build your own business to have your own time and to have your own autonomy and, and say then, whatever you want on the internet basically yeah and then <laughs> and then sometimes you you do the same thing you re-sacrifice that freedom for capital so that you can grow faster but at the same time because you're growing faster you're losing your time again so i get the, i get the loop that you're talking about so just to recap Matt, so what you're talking about get a no-code developer or create like a membership site that's what you're saying um yeah. put your content on there see the market appetite for it, get reoccurring revenue, like how long they stay and then, you know, learn the content and then you can build this ass product off the back of it. Kind of like the pure signal model where they did that with uh, key play. So pure signal is the community aspect with the air table, the go to market piece. And then key play is like, okay, cool. You just want to use this in your CRM system. Boom. Here it is. Right. Like that's um, kind of how the strategy works. So, um, yeah, so, so let's they got success. Go ahead. What were you going to say, man? I'm sorry. There's a little delay. They have success. Yeah. It looks like they're doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, I agree, man. So, so let's shift gears a little bit because I, I know you're an email expert and I would hate to deprive uh, you, the listener, of that right now. So um, one of the things that, that we talked about on the pre-show is that you're saying 99% of companies are getting email wrong. What do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about what I'm talking about. So I'm talking specifically about sales emails, right? Uh, what I mean by that is emails that your sales team is sending to people unsolicited, which is perfectly legal. Perf you should be doing it, right? If you're not uh, and you have a sales-led motion, you're, you're, you're definitely leaving money on the table. Um, but what's happening right now is you have Google and Microsoft who run all of the all of the filters, right? They have all the data, they have it all. And what people are using is they're using these these products, right? That you we all know. Let's not be surprised. Like they're pretty well known. They're using sequencers, and what I mean by that is they're sending them all out of their primary domain name. And what that means is the domain reputation or the domain reputation the the reputation is scored at the domain level. And everybody who's doing this is 
not only are they jeopardizing their future, they're not getting any results out of it. They're getting such a low percentage of actual return emails. It's just like everybody's doing it. So you don't feel so it's just very dangerous. And it's, I've seen now I've been able to kind of, I've had CEOs calling me their head, like they're on fire. They're like, I can't get anything to my investors. Uh, I can't get our engineering team. Can't get our forgot password out. Like there's so many things that are happening as a direct result of this behavior around sequencers. And you ask the biggest vendors, there's a few of them, what their strategy is for email delivery, and they will not even talk about it. They run into the, it's almost like the uh, Homer Simpson meme where they're, you know, that guy backs into the trees, you know, like that's what happens when you ask them point blank. And their best practices guides are telling you to send 250 a day per rep. That's going to be literally 30 complaints a day. And your domain is toast. You won't send another good email to somebody cold or anybody you don't have already on a very, very heavy whitelist. It means they're very, they recognize your email. You're not going to get it to anybody new and you're going to jeopardize a lot of other services that you're, the rest of your company needs to use the internet too. Right. That's what I tell people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so how, how do you, how do you yeah. overcome that, man? Yeah. So what you have to do is you first have to understand what the problem is. The problem itself is based on the fact that the reputation is at the domain level. So what you need to do is you need to look at the program and you need to understand how many people are sending the only emails you really should be concerned about are cold emails. I'm talking sales emails. And what I mean by that is the other three types of emails, the ones that are transactional, which is like your forgot password, your corporate ones, which is from your, your HR team or your whatever, you know, internal vendors, whatever, or the marketing ones, which are all opt-ins, hopefully. If they're not opt-ins, that's another, that's a whole nother world, but let's just assume that. Um, (laughs) because you're going to get banned from your ESP. But anyways, going back to the cold emails, what you're going to find is you need to know how many you're sending out. So if you don't put proper limits in there, and what is a good limit? It depends on how many complaints you get. If, you, if your emails are generating enough complaints, and right now what's happened is it's been throttled. So it's now down to like maybe like five or six a day or a certain percentage. They want to see one out of a thousand because the other three types of emails coming out of your company, don't see a a single complaint. So they see you and they put you right in spam every single time. And the reason no one's talking about this or very few people are talking about this problem is because they don't know. They still see the open rates, but that's not a, that's actually not even a a real metric really, because it's a bot. A lot of the times it's a bot clicking on the link for privacy reasons. So this is where you know, all you have to ask is, am I using a tool that's doing sequencing where I'm sending out a one domain? If you are, and you have multiple SDRs doing this or people doing this, and you're sending over 50 a day per SDR. And by the way, that still, even if you have more than 50, you could still get problems. But like, that's a problem. You are wow. jeopardizing your future as a startup to send email out. That's crazy, man. So the fix is multiple domain names, domain health monitoring. Uh, there's other tools that have come out long that have sort of helped with the email process. Uh, you know, and it's I think it's going to start to turn to more. You're going to have to start working more with agencies to do it. Really? Because yeah, because your IT team. Here's what's going on. The the real way you really have to do it. You have to use multiple domain names 
to get the result you want, like the 5% open rates, sorry, 5% reply rates. You have to work with more of an agency like because what's going to happen is you go to your IT team, you ask them to register the domain names for you. Your IT team will then say, no way, we're not doing it. That's weird. Why would you need multiple domain names? Then it's an ongoing, like, now it's weird. What's going to happen is the, 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 you need to use those domain names and you need to do something called email warm-up, which is a bunch of kind of engagement you're sending out of your email system. And these, these are the things you need to put in place. And really, it's better for more of an agency to work with you on because the automation's broken on just about all these products right now. And I am like, go look at your pure cold emails that you're sending with your team, your sales team. Go look at the number of replies they get and just be astonished because 90% of the people I talk to, when they go look, they're just in shock at the low number of replies they get. And it's because of this, and you don't truly know if you're in the spam folder or not, because the only person who knows is on the other end of the is on the other end of the system. So, so this is a big problem. Yeah. Just to just to dive one layer deeper. So like what are reply rates that you should be scared of? Or and then like what would you strive for? What would you strive for? What would you be scared of? Yep. And let's talk about what a reply rate is. So first thing you want to look at is cold reply rates. I'm talking people you've never emailed before. This is an outbound, more of a, it's like making a cold phone call or somebody you don't know. Okay. So that let's isolate that first. What you don't want to do is a lot of people mix in their marketing, the, the like inbound lead follow-up stuff like that. That's going to be in a different bucket because the people know you and they're going to respond. So what you need to do is look at that cold number. And you need to say, if I send to a thousand contacts, how many of those people reply for any reason at all? Right. And I'm talking even you even should count out of office. Now, what I'm saying is the reason you want that number to be good is because that's what the spam filter is looking for. It's looking for the replies. The higher your reply rate, the more it's going to let you deliver, the better your reputation is. Okay. So that's why people are doing this thing called email warm up, which is allows more replies to come in, but it's fake, of course, engagement. That's why Google doesn't really like it, but you know, it is what it is. And that's why it's more meant for more of an agency. So you should be looking at a most companies that I talk to that are on the major sequence providers, engagement providers are at a one to two percent reply rate. They should be at at least a five. I mean, I don't think I have a single campaign under seven or ten. And it's wow. they're just not getting responses. Some of these are at 0.001 and they don't even they, when they check the data, they're in shock after I show it to them. Wow. All right, yeah. man. So how does, how, does magic, how does Leap Magic fix that then? Yeah. So the bigger thing is not that it's actually not the sequencer tool that's total. Well, most of them don't. A lot of them don't have the features, right? The features are multiple domains tied to the same campaign. And also the other, the other one is that email warmup kind of happening while you, like before and after your campaigns, right? So mm-hmm. we help by actually, that process is actually pretty hard to kind of get right. Uh, so we, we, we've got our own, you know, and it looks very similar to the other sequencers. And what we do is we manage the inboxes for you, which you want managed by somebody else or your own IT team, but they're not going to have the, the capability or the knowledge or the skills to do that. And that's probably a bad idea. So that's how we help there. Uh, it's, we run that more of like a managed service for you 
So we're not a lead gen agency in terms of like, hey, how many meetings did you get me this month? That's up to you. You're going to have to write good sequences and you're going to have to do that. But I can tell you, you're going to get replies. And any lead gen agency that tells you they're going to get you meetings is kind of a waste of time anyways. That's like, I mean, they're lying to you, but you know, they're just going to go spam your market until you cancel, right? But anyways, the point I'm making is you got to be very careful right now with email infrastructure. It's all at that inbox level, domain level. So if your domain gets... And you can't look this up anywhere. There's no information. Google and Microsoft have the information. They're not going to tell it, tell you what they're scoring your model on. It's a machine learning model. It's a predictive model, right? That's wild, man. Well, unfortunately, yeah, so this is what a lot of people don't know. <laughs> well, no, it's good, man. I mean, I, I think it's good that you're putting it out there. And I mean, I can imagine when, when folks are looking at their numbers and they're like, how low the, I mean, I get blasted all the time. And I'm not even a big company, you know, with email, with useless email. That's like, just, I can't, even, don't even get me started. But um, so I can see why Google and Microsoft put it in place. But then at the same time, like, I can see how people would be oblivious to it as well, because they're just like, okay, go run. Like, yeah, there's more email. So reply late rates are less. So totally makes sense, ma'am. However, we, unfortunately we are out of time right now. So um, I really appreciate having you on the show. This was you're right, man. This is something that like I haven't even thought about. wasn't even on my radar. Uh, I don't have a team at SDRs doing this. However, um, I mean, <laughs> you, you give me a lot to think about, man, uh, if I decide to ever go down that route. But where can people find you? Where can they find out more about Lead Magic? And then we'll take it up. Yeah, great. So Lead Magic, we have our uh, B2B expert community where we're talking about a lot of lead gen tactics. Just community.leadmagic.io. Uh, I've also released uh, sort of a mini course. I was getting a lot of people asking me uh, to do it. If they want to go see, learn a little bit about this as a course in there. It's not like it's, it's a $200 course. So it's not really that expensive. And then uh, if you want to do that, but also lead magic, the product, you know, people are signing up for that to, to kind of learn who's on their website that might be leaving, you know, the anonymous visitors and really just there. I mean, I'm also on LinkedIn, DM me. I, I respond to just about everybody on there, although it's backed up a little bit right now, but I will get back to people. Um, I do go check it every month to make sure a couple, every couple of weeks to check it to make sure I, I don't miss anybody. Uh, and you know, Hey, let's get back to the primary inbox. You know, let's, let's, let's land in. There's no reason to land in spam. You know, it's a bad <laughs> idea for you and your business. <laughs> Not land and expand, land and spam, right? So uh, awesome, Jesse. Well, it was right. awesome having you on the show, man. It was great seeing you. And uh, we'll see you all in the next episode. Thank you for checking out The Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.